Blog Talk Radio. In much less detail, the podcast where we cut through the noise and give you your NFL breakdown in much less detail. Here are your hosts, Jay and Dre. And we're both actually connected and we both can hear each other, so hopefully everybody out there can hear us too. Y'all know what time it is. It's time for In Much Less Detail, the podcast, here with you live on a Friday night, November the 9th, 2018. I'm Dre, he's Jake. We're in the house to get ready for week 10 of the 2018 NFL season. We're into the double digits in weeks, so we're getting down to it. Got the fall weather coming in, in some cases the winter weather, uh, such as up there uh, in Wisconsin where Jason is located. Uh, So we're going to have some nice crisp fall weather games being played this weekend. I don't think there's anything. uh, There's only one dome game that's in Indianapolis. And of course the uh, Florida games are going to be in the seventies as they always are, but everything else around the country is going to be pretty nippy. So it should be fun to see uh, if there's going to be any kind of adjusting or tamping down of the, the crazy wide open offense that we've seen in the league so far this year. I doubt it, but we'll all find out. Uh, Jay, before we get started to pick the rest of week 10, unfortunately, we have to talk about a little bit about what happened on Thursday night, which was some really, really ugly Thursday night football again. And we were really hoping that it wouldn't be the case. We thought that it would be a good game between the Panthers and the Steelers, and it turned into anything but. Oh, I, I need you to hold on a second. I'm on, I'm on, I'm on the NFL.com uh, shop right now trying to return my custom Des Bryant jersey. What was your favorite moment of the Des Bryant uh, era in New Orleans? <laughs> uh, my favorite moment is all the Saints fans who bought their Des Bryant <laughs> Saints jerseys, who were hoping to rock those out, you know, uh, who basically should have waited two days because now they're all going to be 75% off. When they were getting excited about throwing up the X when Des Bryant was going to come to New Orleans. <laughs> that wasn't the X they had in mind. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, we had a brief little conversation about that uh, through text today, and I said, you know, I guess, I guess I get to claim geniusness here for saying that the Des Bryant era in New Orleans would be um, a, a negative thing, that they'd have trouble working him in. Well, they're gonna have a whole <laughs> lot of trouble working him in now. Uh, damn near impossible with a torn Achilles. I want to know how so, much yeah, money he... he made for two days of practice. That's what I want to know. Uh, you can. Go ahead and, and say that it's an overpaid athlete in that case when he plays zero downs for you and still gets uh, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars. That, you can argue, is overpaid. <laughs> no, uh, you go ahead and you, you can claim that. He, he made no impact yeah. on the team. Uh, he, he did not have uh, any kind of positive impact, as you predicted. So, yeah, you can you can claim that. Go right ahead. Be proud of it. Yeah, and I don't know what that is. Is that a conditioning issue? Is that a you know, we don't know what he was doing for his for his uh, semi retirement regimen and to come back in and be, on his second day of camp blows out his Achilles. So, so how far, strong you can keep your Achilles heard, in the off season? From what we've heard, but you know, it, 
I'm guessing that's a lot of sitting on your couch. They said he said he wanted to skip a game or two because he needed to lose weight um, and get in football shape. So it's gonna uh, maybe maybe he'll get himself a nice TV booth job now or something. I don't know. My guess is he's probably special studio guy on like one of the NFL shows where they have like twelve former players all lined up at a table now. Right. I don't think he'll be uh, actually doing a color job. He can't no. be worse than Jason Witten, however, but no, I don't oh. think he'll be doing that. Yeah. No, that Monday night, that, man, our, what what do we get now for primetime football? You know, we get the we get the slurp fest with Collinsworth and whoever he's, you know, filleting on Sunday night football, <laughs> which is usually Sean Lee. And then we'll get and that. That booth on Monday night is so nondescript and boring. And then Thursday nights, we have to be subjected to Buck and Aikman who are okay. As long as they're not calling NFC games that, that one game that they did where they were just calling teams, they didn't really know. So Troy Aikman didn't just have to trash, you know, the, the, all the teams in the NFC that he used to beat all the time and, and Buck playing his homerism. Um, but they were actually like calling an impartial game. I was like, Oh, oh, well, this is, this is almost watchable. Almost. Almost. Uh, it pro- I actually, I actually like Joe Tessitore on Monday night, I, but I can tell that he's at this stage still over over excited to be to have that job. He's really uh, laying it in when he when he gets big plays and when he gets big moments, and he needs to dial that down a notch. Once he does that, it'll probably take him a year to get comfortable yeah. enough to do that. Once he does that, I think he'll be just fine. Uh, sure. uh, Jason Witten might be fine down the road. He's, he's terrible right now. He's extremely wooden. Doesn't really contribute much at all uh, to the game. And Booger McFarland has potential, but they put him in just the worst position to be out there, uh, out in the middle of nowhere uh, on his own seat, just doing nothing but basically blocking paying fans from seeing the game. That's, yeah, he's that's just rolling up and down the field on, on, a, yeah, on, a, on a cart. That's his job, is, is to block the I, the, the few fans that want to pay the money to go yeah. see a, an NFL game, because most fans want to sit at home and watch because it's so much more comfortable. Yeah. Well, that's that's the seat they should save for Des Bryant up on the cart because he's gonna he's not gonna oh, too soon. He's not running anywhere. Uh, he's not yeah. running up and down the sideline anytime soon. Not, no yeah. sideline reporting gigs for Des Bryant. Yeah, I, I'm disappointed. I really wanted to see uh, yeah. if he was still gonna if he was gonna be able to rebound. Not to, to his old level, uh, one of the top five receivers in the game. No, I, I didn't think he was gonna get to that. But I was excited to see what he would do exactly with Drew Brees. Like uh, him as a number two after what Michael Thomas is doing. That honestly really did make me think, oh, shit, here come the Saints for real. Like, I thought that was – I called it a borderline genius move when it happened, and, of course, it looks like shit right now. But I was really excited to see how that was going to develop, and and now we're not going to see anything at all. So that's – Yeah. So we've been been robbed of something that nobody had really thought about until they signed him, and and then that kind of got some of the, you know, brain activity going, and now it's gone. So – Get over it. It's not going to happen. Um, but as far as that game, that wasn't a, actually that wasn't a game last night. That was a Pittsburgh Steelers highlight reel. And it's just so stupid that the Panthers get the the first drive and go right down the field and get a touchdown, yeah. and, and proceed to give up three touchdowns to the Steelers in you know the next 
five seconds it felt like. I don't even know what that is except to just say I'm the one that advocates all the time, hey, you really shouldn't pick a road team on Thursday night unless you have a really compelling reason to do so. <laughs> and there I go going against that. And, oh, my God, the, the not only did the Panthers look like a team that was playing on a short week after that opening drive touchdown, they blocked like it too because Cam Newton had no time at all. He was just getting hit from every angle on every drop back. And I know the Steelers can rush the quarterback, but they're not that damn good. So that's another team that, however good the Panthers may be, whether you think they're real or fake, the fact is they ran off a whole bunch of wins in a row and and put up 35 in the first half in their last game against Tampa Bay and looked like they were as legit as it gets. And they come in and put up that effort. I honestly really don't think they do that. They, I don't think they give up 52 to the Steelers if they were playing this Sunday. But that short week, man, that's just to, to play an NFL game and everything it takes and then to go three days later to play it again at Pittsburgh, uh, it, it, was a, it was a stupid call by me. I don't have any excuses. I'm, I'm putting my hand in the air. I did it. I, I picked the road team on Thursday night, and I, and I shouldn't have done it. Well, I'll tell you what. The beautiful thing is the week before you had the 49ers on Thursday night, and I was stupid and had the Raiders uh, in a blowout, and then you're on the wrong side here with Carolina and then Pittsburgh – um, and I said I was yeah, worried about the laughing. hook. <laughs> I was worried about the hook in a uh, yeah thirty-one point victory. Um, but fortunately, it only counts for one game, right? That's what I said after I lost that Raiders one. And same thing for you, because that's one of those that feels like you lost like five games in the standings. But no, <laughs> it's, it's just one, um, and it was over quick. So there was, there's very little drama because, yeah, the Panthers marched down the field on that first drive, impressive drive, and then next play out of that drive for the Steelers is a 75-yard touchdown pass from Roethlisberger uh, to, to Juju Smith-Schuster, uh, blown coverage by, the, uh, by that, like I said, bad Panthers secondary. It's where I thought that the Steelers would match up well um, against the Panthers, and uh, that secondary was completely outclassed the whole game. That gets that gets followed up by a play, uh, the very next play by Cam Newton, completely ill-advised, trying to bail out and make something happen, uh, throwing that ball out of the end zone after T.J. Watt, uh, one of many times, came rushing through free uh, for a free hit on Cam Newton, and he just he just he freaked out, he bailed. It was like I'm not going to take the safety. Um, if you look at the uh, end zone angle, it, it, you could see where he could see Greg Olson standing there waiting to. to uh, I think he was trying to hit Olsen because Olsen was maybe about right at the 10 yard line, but he uh, is in the process of being tackled. So the throw sails and then yep. that gets returned for a pick six and then nothing from that point went well for the Panthers, for the Panthers at all. It just, it just wasn't their night. No, he pulled a Grossman. He freaked out. He's about to get sacked. And he just threw yeah. it up for grabs. Ah! He, he did what he did what what I do or like we do on the schoolyard. <laughs> if you don't want to get sacked, you just kind of fling the ball up in the air and just hope somebody catches it. Um, you can yeah, do you that. Can't do that there, the there weren't professional DBs on the other side, so you can get away with <laughs> there, that. There are no there are no good outcomes though from that because it's a safety. <laughs> Most likely, if he doesn't do that, it, the worst. I mean, at the best, it's a safety. If he just chucks it and he's, you know, then it's intentional grounding. That's a safety. Right. <laughs> so, 
So he, he tried to make the play. So you got to give him credit for trying to make something happen. But that was one of those where two points would have been a lot better than seven for the Steelers. Yeah, just terrible, terrible decision making. Uh, maybe even short week decision making. You might want to even who knows? contribute that to it. Who knows? Yeah, but uh, the, the the Panthers not not outclassed the way the Raiders were, where the Panthers didn't quit. It wasn't like you were just watching a team like give the middle finger to their coach and and, and just say, hey, we're done with this. But but the Steelers, I mean, Ben Roethlisberger had more touchdown passes than incompletions. That's that's just terrible. <laughs> so, yeah, good. Uh, if you were starting Roethlisberger in fantasy last night, you had you had one hell of a night. <laughs> no, you're right. It's one game. It's uh, the, the baseball team that gets blown out sixteen to three. Yeah, uh, that's 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 one game too. It feels like several, but yeah, it, you just got to get over it. And and I did not think about that game while I was making all these other picks. So I'm ready to wipe that clean and. and get a fresh slate going, but I will say I am nervous about this week. There's some real shit games on the schedule and this is the usually Lions little... this week are yeah, just yeah. massive. So I find One myself, of... you know, and it's weird because as I'm trying to make my picks, as I'm navigating through all of these big lines, I mean, more than half the games are a touchdown or bigger and it's crazy. And as I'm navigating all these big spreads, I find myself taking the dog on some and giving and giving the points on others. And I'm like, oh, I mean, would I be better off just taking all dogs or would I be better off just taking all? So it's going to be very interesting to see how we navigate through all these big numbers. I know. I was thinking pretty much the same thing. Like this is one of those weeks where uh, some teams are going to compete and cover the spread and maybe even win that don't deserve to. And some teams are yep. going to get their doors blown off as they're supposed to, and it's just a matter of figuring out which is which, which you know, which is going to happen and which isn't. And it's it's a potential landmine type week. I can see uh, one of us pulling a one of those three and eleven, oh, three God, and twelve. Hey, don't, been, don't say that. I, I'm well, at just, least I've it, got it one. Like I, at least I've got one. <laughs> there you go. You it, you will not be zero and fourteen this week. I may still be. Okay, so the pressure's on you <laughs> to get get one win out of this crazy to get ass one. Week. Yes, that's right. Get one. Just got to get one. Uh, you are listening live to blogtalkradio.com slash in much less detail to hear the rest of the week 10 picks. That's coming up in another minute or so. To hear this show as a podcast after we're done with the live portion, you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, if you just search for In Much Less Detail, the podcast, and click on the subscribe button. You can do that with any number of different podcasting apps and different websites as well. Just search for the show by name, and when you see a button to subscribe, go ahead and subscribe to it. Um, I think that uh, subscribebyemail.com, I believe that still works as well, Um, and that's exactly what the website sounds like. You look up our show and you subscribe by email. And when the show is ready, it'll be emailed to you and you can open it up and play it at whatever device you want to play it at. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at IMLD Dre. You can follow Jason at IMLD JTG. You can hit us up on email with any questions or comments and that's in much less detail at gmail.com and look at our picks on our blog. When we are done, I probably won't put the picks up tonight cause I don't have to, um, and it's going to be a late night after we're done. So, But they'll definitely be up before 
uh, Sunday, uh, before the game start on Sunday. Our blog site where all of our picks are located is in much less detail.blogspot.com. So I take a deep breath and jump into this week 10 with you, Jay, and good luck navigating these big spreads because it sounds like you had a hell of a time trying to figure this out, and so did I. Yeah, it's a minefield. This is, this is, this is, we're navigating a minefield this week. Well, let's start with the AFC champion New England Patriots uh, going against the playing ugly Tennessee Titans as our first highlight game. And, yay, there's a minefield right off the bat because, man, if nothing else, the Titans can compete and contend with teams that they don't have any business competing and contending with. Um, And they're coming off of going to Dallas and and just beating them outright, uh, which was kind of impressive. Uh, New England, of course, coming off of beating up the Green Bay Packers at home. So is this a letdown spot for New England? Is this a winning ugly spot for Tennessee? Is this a competing ugly spot? Is this a spot where they just uh, remember who they are and get totally outclassed and destroyed on their home field by the Patriots? This is what we got to find, figure out and break it down. Who knows? Uh, Injury news, Sony Michelle, the rookie running back should be ready to go for new England after that knee injury he had a couple weeks ago. I don't know about Gronk. It's hard reading the reports to figure out if he's going to be able to play or not. He went through some limited practice uh, just like he did last week, and then he wound up being deactivated. So don't know if he'll be able to to make it in this game. For Tennessee, Tajay Sharp, the wide receiver, should play. Uh, Taewon Taylor, the other uh, injured wide receiver, is unlikely to go. So they had some receiver issues there in Tennessee, as they always do. New England is seven and two, two and two on the road. Tennessee is an even four and four, two and one at home. New England, no surprise, is a big road favorite in this spot. They give seven points, seven full points at the Titans. Jason, who you got? Well, I will say in defense of the uh, in the Patriots here on this one that uh, the Titans are not going to be playing as good as they looked. Beating Brady and Belichick, I think, is going to be a little harder than beating Garrett and Prescott. Just saying. I think I'll I'll agree with that. Okay, yeah, I'm not going out on a limb uh, with that statement. No bold statement there. Um, I, you know, this is one of those that I kind of was back and forth on this week, uh, because I do, I do appreciate what the, the sort of, like you said, it's not even winning ugly or losing ugly. Now the Titans just is playing ugly. That's what they do. It's not a pretty brand of football. It, it definitely doesn't seem to fit in with what we're getting in 2018, which is supposed to be the, the big offensive explosion. And, and, and the Titans are still trying to run the ball and play defense and, they don't have a quarterback who's going to light up the scoreboard, so they're they're definitely playing to their strengths, and they do play good, mostly good defense. Um, but they have one glaring weakness in this defense this year, and that's been Malcolm Butler. And this is sort of the the coming home game now for the Patriots going to face Malcolm Butler, the guy they benched in the Super Bowl, who has given up half of the Titans' passing touchdowns this year. That is atrocious. I think Tom Brady is going to be going after his buddy Malcolm Butler, who he defended after the Super Bowl benching. But I have a feeling that the game plan this week is going to be to completely brutalize Malcolm Butler. I don't think it's going to be blowout territory, so I'm not locking this one up. But I do think that the Patriots, it smells pushy, if anything. 
I liked this a lot better on the line that I had where this was Patriots minus six and a half. At seven, it feels pushy to me because I was kind of leaning that this could be a game that would kind of run out into that, you know, 27-20, something into that territory because we know that the Patriots' defense isn't that great, so the Titans, I think, will be able to do a little bit of ball control. But it feels like a Patriots touchdown win, so even if, if, I, if I think it's a push – I'm still going to go with the Patriots, the team I trust a little bit more. But I think I think Malcolm Butler gets absolutely roasted by Tom Brady in that Patriots offense. I think they're going after him. That's my prediction. I think he'll be up for this one, that's for sure, whether he gets roasted or not. I think if he uh, plays his best game of the year, it should be this game to prove to the, the genius on the other side, Bill Belichick, that, hey, uh, you – Probably could have used me in that shootout uh, you had in February against the Eagles. Uh, but, yes, to all of the uh, all the things that you were saying about how bad Butler has been in coverage this year and how the Patriots probably will target that, uh, even the coach of the Titans, the former Patriot, Mike Vrabel, even he knows uh, that Butler has been bad and he knows that he needs him to stop being bad and to stop biting on double moves. And he said just as much uh, in post-game press conferences and, and interviews, uh, Vrabel right, really uh, openly criticized Butler and said that, you know, when you have a man coverage and your cornerback is looking into the quarterback, he's no longer in man coverage. He's no longer covering his man because his man is gone. And he needs to stop doing that. So Butler is on alert. Uh, dude, you need to straighten up or else you're going to wind up being benched again. And this time it will not be – Bill Belichick doing it, it'll be uh, Mike Vrabel, the, the former Belichick linebacker. Uh, so, yeah, that's part of the uh, in and out, uh, the, the the yin and the yang, trying to figure out do you want to trust Malcolm Butler to step up in this situation when you know he's going to be trying to play his best, or do you want to recognize that he's been bad and especially susceptible to double moves, and here come the New England Patriots and Tom Brady, the kings of the double move, the king of, of the of the option routes, uh, which that might just be the worst thing to happen to, to Malcolm Butler. He might have to get pulled off the field if he gets uh, optioned back and forth by Julian Edelman all day up and down the field. So uh, it's just a matter of which do you think is going to happen and, and how much do you let that color your, your opinion of the game. Um, I have to put my New England sort of hate and, and – disrespect for their defense specifically I have to put that aside and really uh see do I really want to take the Titans in their winning ugly style because I don't believe and you already uh, addressed it but I don't believe the Titans have the offensive personnel to take advantage of the less than stellar Patriots defense uh, we know the running game for the Titans has been subpar all year Deion Lewis has been the better running back all year over Derrick Henry, and that's a shame because Henry has all the physical tools to be uh, as good as anybody. He can be a bruiser and he can break away uh, when he gets a hole, but he just hasn't put it together. And at this point, it's looking like he he may never put it all together. Uh, And Marcus Mariota, of course, has been up and down. Uh, So I'm going to wind up uh, going on the side of the AFC champs, unfortunately, and uh, Tom Brady to take advantage of Malcolm Butler and embarrass him. Maybe not all day, you know, up and down like that, but uh, definitely a few times uh, you get the the option routes and you get the double moves and you kind of make Butler go, okay, well, you, you got me. 
nothing I can do about that. He's ultra aggressive. He always has been, but uh, it's probably going to cost him in this game because this is the quarterback in the team that can take advantage of his aggression, probably the best. Um, And they probably have been salivating thinking about what they're going to do to him. So yeah, I I concur. I'm going to take the Patriots and and give the seven on the road. Uh, And and I'm definitely not uh, feeling very confident about it because competing ugly, winning ugly, losing ugly, you can definitely see the Titans somehow backdooring a cover late in some ugly, ugly fashion. Uh, but I'm going to trust the Patriots to, to hold them off and have a big enough lead at that point uh, to hopefully hold on and cover the spread. I always hear something in your voice, like like you die a little bit inside when you have to pick the Patriots. Uh, I do. Like your soul, like your soul has been like hurt. It's just something like something you'll never get back. <laughs> that little piece of you that goes away and you'll never be able to recapture it. You just just die a little bit each time you have to take the New England Patriots and and, and say something nice about them. I don't like doing it either, but, (laughs) hey, we're picking the game. We're not picking these games on on bias. Uh, I think we're fairly impartial. Um, So, yeah, I mean, so you know, we're we're trying to pick games against a spread. Uh, We're not trying to pick games on what we would like to have happen. I'd love the Titans to win this game, but I I just don't think it's going to happen. Right. I'd love to pick the Patriots to cover the six division games because we know they're going to, you know, do the little brother thing to their division and then go all 10 against them. But that's that's not realistic. So you got to pick your spots. (laughs) Moving on to our second highlight game, we're going to go to Cincinnati, where the five and three Bengals are hosting the seven and one New Orleans Saints. And and that's not going to be a surprise either that the Saints are going to be the favorites on the road in this spot because they're coming off the very impressive knocking off of the last undefeated team in the league, the Los Angeles Rams on Sunday. So new Orleans at seven and one four and Oh, on the road. Uh, the, the Des Bryant era is over. It's over before it began. He probably wasn't going to play this week anyway, because he just again, got off the couch. Uh, so he was working his way into shape, but yeah, that's, that's that really breaks my heart. I really was looking forward to seeing uh, if he had anything left, and I, I had a feeling he did have something left, but we'll never know, of course. Uh, another top-notch wide receiver. These guys are both, to me, in the conversation for top five receivers of of their era of the last fifteen or twenty years. Des Bryant and AJ Green of the Cincinnati Bengals, and AJ Green won't be playing either. He didn't tear his Achilles. Uh, but he's not uh, he's he's not active for this game on Sunday. They actually w- they were thinking that his injury was going to be something that required surgery, but it looks like it won't. But he will still be uh, absent for several weeks. It, it, it would appear. And Vontez Perfect is also not playing in this game. No, he did not get suspended again. He's actually hurt. In any event, the seven and one Saints, uh, like I said, four and zero on the road this year, undefeated, and uh, that's been almost the story of the Saints. Uh, how impressive they've been on the road in situations where they usually just go bombs away and air it out. They've actually uh, had ball control and really diversified their game and played in in a totally different style and, and been able to switch up their game. Uh, but the saints are the favorites at Cincinnati's uh, five and a half point spread at the five and three Bengals who are three and one at home. But this one, I always say uh, without AJ green, the Cincinnati Bengals are completely different team and I don't think that has really changed much 
this is a possible letdown spot for New Orleans because you're coming off such a big win uh, against the Rams, that atmosphere, that crowd that had to feel like that they were on top of the world. I think you described it, Jason, as feeling like a, a Super Bowl-type matchup um, and, and just the euphoria of, of coming out on top, uh, especially you get the big lead, you wind up tied because the Rams battle back and you have to uh, find a way to dig deeper even deeper than maybe you thought you thought you got to 35 and you had it in the bag and it wasn't enough. You had to get more and they dug deeper and, and found more and wound up pulling out a, a very impressive victory. Uh, it can be very easy to let down from here. You got to go on the road. You're not going to have that same atmosphere. You're not going to have the same opponents, not a division rival. Uh, it's just another game. It's not really important to you. Uh, uh, so I, I don't know why I thought the Rams and the Saints are in the same division. Are they? They're in the same division, right? In the South? No, no those, it used to be in the West together, right? <laughs> You're, you just uh, did you just have some like a flashback or something? Yeah, I, I, I put the Rams and the Saints in the same division, wow. which they were that, I think in, in, in the eighties. <laughs> that it? No, because uh, no, that was because uh, that was when the when the Rams were in. Oh God, it's so messed up. Were the Rams in the West? Yeah, the Rams were in the West. Rams were in the West. With the 49ers and the Falcons were in the West. Oh, my God. But the Saints that weren't, weren't all, ever in the West? Yeah, because yeah, it was the – uh, yeah, because you had Tampa Bay was in the Central. And that was the one that was sort of weird because you had all those teams that were mixed up right, and then you had uh, Tampa – and then in yeah. the West, the West you had the – and then the Cardinals were in the East. I mean, it was all – That's right. Yeah, so we're really going back to uh, – <laughs> Yeah, that's how old I am. I flashed back to when it was the Falcons, the Rams, the 49ers, yeah. and the – Right, because the, the Seahawks were in the AFC. Yeah, that's, so that's it was, really going back. Well, right, so it was 49ers, Rams – um, Saints and Falcons, I believe, were the mm-hmm. NFC West, which made no sense. <laughs> so that's why I got that was the team. NFC West. <laughs> <laughs> it was. It actually. And, was. Then, and then I remember because they still had the NFC East when the Cardinals moved to Phoenix because they were at first they were the Phoenix Cardinals. That's right. And uh, they were in the NFC East, so they were in Phoenix and they were in the NFC East. So I'm, I'm really flashing back here. This is what happens when you uh, work all week and you have this late show and uh, I start yeah. flashing all the way back to the 80s. Yeah. So, but this just anyway. tells you how, how weak the, the highlight games are this week, that we just went non sequitur inside a highlight. <laughs> In the middle of the highlight pick. <laughs> yeah. We just gave people a history lesson on what the <laughs> division alignment used to be back when we were like youngins. I was trying to say that the Saints are are in position to maybe let down because last week was a big game, despite it not being a division game anymore. Uh, It was a huge game, and this is not nearly as huge, but uh, I can't shake the fact that Cincinnati is going to try to win a game without A.J. Green because normally when they try to do that, it's bad. It it turns out to be really bad, Uh, and I think the Saints are well-rounded enough this year that they can weather this storm on the road in Cincinnati outdoors uh, in uh, fall conditions, maybe winter conditions, 
Uh, it's not going to be snowing like it is up there in Wisconsin, but uh, it will be a nip in the air. But I think the Saints are equipped to handle that. Uh, and Cincinnati is not equipped to really do much on offense or score much without A.J. Green, I don't believe. Uh, so I'm going to take uh, New Orleans and I'm going to give the five and a half. And that's yeah, why I'll I was keep, trying to go with that. I'll keep this brief after, because we went non-sequitur <laughs> on that one. We got a lot of picks that to go in here. But, no, I concur. Um, if A.J. Green was healthy and if he was at full strength, this would have felt like the perfect letdown spot for the Saints, I think, to just go straight up lose the game in Cincinnati. Mm. Um, but, yeah, Andy Dalton, it's not so much that that team is different. Andy Dalton's is not the same quarterback when he that AJ Green is his it's his over the top weapon that's his safety blanket and if he doesn't have AJ Green everything else kind of slows down for him so I would expect Andy Dalton to be under constant pressure um staring down into some sacks maybe staring down some receivers throwing some bad picks this is gonna be one of those Andy Dalton games you know we know those Andy Dalton games can be like um, oh yeah so Cincinnati's I think played um above their grade this year so far, but this is a big step up in class for them. So minus AJ green, bad spot for them. I think that does enough to Andy Dalton to keep, uh, to keep the saints on top and that they, uh, they win this one pretty easy. The Bengals have struggled uh, defensively. They're, they're not getting pressured. They're not covering well in the back end and they've fallen all the way down to the DFL in the league in, in pass defense. Uh, and here come the saints. That's hard so to do. That's... It's hard to do in this league. It is. So you got to be really, really bad to be giving up more yards through the air than anybody else. And now here come the Saints. So uh, even without Des Bryant, that that might be uh, that might get really ugly really fast. Not as ugly as me trying to ramble on during that pick and getting completely lost and and forgetting what division is which. Oh, that's embarrassing. <laughs> Our third highlight game. Uh, hey, there's the Rams. <laughs> In the in the NFC West, the NFC West, the Los Angeles Rams uh, hosting an, an NFC West rival. This is a division game. It's it the is. former AFC West team, the Seattle Seahawks. So that's also a way to get confused yeah, if you're Steve, old. Steve but... Largent and Dave Craig aren't <laughs> playing in this game. Kurt Warner with a C is not running for the uh, for the Seahawks in this game. Uh, the four and four Seahawks, uh, three and two on the road. Uh, visit the LA Rams coming off their first loss of the year last year, but back home, they're four and at home. Uh, this was weird that the Rams came in with no injury report. But what I do on Fridays is, is check the injury reports because that's when there's a lot of declarations. There's a lot of guys that can mispractice, practice partially, uh, get being banged up and, and don't want to practice or the coaches hold them out. And then, but for, really by Friday is when you have to make the, the declaration, are, is the guy going to play or not? Um, and if the, you know, if it's still up in the air, if it's a legit game time decision, that's one thing, but most of these guys, they know the coaches know what they're going to do with them uh, by the time Friday rolls around. But the Rams, I had not, I don't remember seeing this before this late in the season that they turned in a, a, a clean, Injury report. There's literally no names on the injury report. There's no questionable. There's no doubtful. There's none of that. There's just nothing there. And it actually happened twice this week. And I was all ready to excoriate and, and put down the uh, the Murga team, the Oakland Raiders, for turning in a, a clean injury report. I was like, they're quitting so hard that they're not even bothering with an they injury report now. They don't, they don't even care, care anymore. Yeah. Right. 
except the Rams did it too. So I don't know exactly what's going on there. Uh, but and they haven't even had their buy yet. That's really the crazy part. So you would think they'd be beat up, but they're not. But in any event, uh, the Rams with, with apparently no injuries uh, are uh, favorites at home. That's part of those big spreads that we were looking at. They are ten point favorites at home against the four and four Seahawks. Jason, what's your pick? Yeah, this is going to be a very interesting pick for me because what you've got here for the Rams is this is sort of the in-between game sandwiched between the oh-my-God game of the year that they played last week against the Saints and the oh-my-God game of the year that they have to play next week against the Chiefs. Mm -hmm. So sandwiched in between those two games, here come their arch-rival Seattle Seahawks, a team that the Rams, when this was Jeff Fisher's team, would always give the Seahawks fits. Um, you know, even when the Rams were bad, they would beat Seattle. Um, but the things are a little different now where the script has flipped and now it's the Seahawks who are more the, the big underdog in this spot going up against the Rams. I don't like this big number. The Rams defense has been getting gashed, especially on the ground. And Seattle has turned into one of the best rushing teams in football. Um, you know, since about the midpoint of the season, Seattle stats put them at basically at or near the top of the league in running the football. So I think that Seattle's going to be able to do a lot of ground and pound here. And Russell Wilson has been very quietly having a good season. They had a letdown last week against the other LA team. And I don't mean a letdown, but a letdown in the fact that, you know, they let the chargers come in there and uh, sort of dictate the pace of that game and, and go up to Seattle, which was unheard of a few years ago and win. So Seattle's not nearly as, uh, invincible at home as they used to be but this still feels like a lot of points for the Rams to be given another team considering that the Rams defense has not been all that great since about week two um, they're not blowing the doors off of anybody and I don't think they're going to do it against a, a a hated heated division rival like the Seahawks who can go at once again the one major weakness that the Rams have which is that run defense that the Saints the Saints did it last week, and then the Saints, you know, you're able to run the ball effectively. That opens up more things in the passing game, and Russell Wilson can run and throw. I think they're gonna I think they're gonna drive the Rams crazy. I think the Rams are good enough to pull one out, kinda like they did against the Packers a couple of weeks back. But I think that the Seahawks can keep this close, so uh, I'll take those points. This is a rematch of week five in which the Rams had to rally in Seattle and come back yep. and win that game 33-31. to 31. And in that one, Seattle did a lot of running as well, to your point, that Chris Carson had a big game on the ground gashing the Rams. Now, he's a game-time decision for this game. He may not play, but if he doesn't play, his backup, Mike Davis, he did some good running in that game against the L.A. Rams as well. So he may get a full slate and he may get a chance to show what he's got. And, and he may make a big impact in that game, even if Chris Carson can't go. Uh, what I thought is an interesting pro uh, football focus stat for the Seattle Seahawks, their offensive line, which has been so much maligned throughout the years for not protecting Russell Wilson very well, They've allowed a combined 54 pressures this year. That's second fewest in the league, in the entire league. I never thought I'd see the day where the Seahawks would be uh, would have the second best protection in football. They've been so bad at protecting Russell Wilson throughout the years. So that's a major, major part of why the Seahawks have 
done a lot better this year than than people thought. I think four and four for uh, for the Seahawks at this point is probably better than a lot of people would have figured. Uh, so that's a big part of it. And then the Rams uh, not having as much pressure because of Seattle blocking up things well. Combine that with what you already talked about, which is possible letdown after losing your undefeated streak, your undefeated season last week against New Orleans, possible letdown looking ahead to the Kansas City Chiefs game in Mexico next Monday night. Got this game in between with the division rival. All of that uh, really does make sense to take Seattle, but then you look at their uh, the point spread, how they're a 10-point underdog. Boy, everyone really thinks that Seattle has no chance in this one, huh? Uh, not me. I've been a Seattle fan for uh, for a while, and I was a fan of theirs coming into the season. And I thought they would compete, and they've been competing. And I think they're really going to compete in this game all the way to the point that I'm going to lock that up. I'll take Seattle. Wow. I'll take the 10 points because I think they can win the game straight up because the Rams are probably going to be distracted. Uh, so I will take Seattle yeah. to win in a couple of different ways, running the ball and protecting Russell Wilson from Aaron Donald and all the guys uh, coming to kill him. So I will take the Seahawks gladly with the 10 points. Wow. That, so that sets up for the potential for the Rams to lose three in a row after being 8-0 to start the season. That's right. And neither one of us will be surprised by that because I don't think either one of us thought the Rams were an undefeated type team. No, and I think that the Seahawks, well, I think they're a very good team. I mean, that's an excellent yeah. team. Yeah, uh, no, I, I think that, they're that, very good, too. The Seahawks are going to – I think the Seahawks are going to give them some fits. Just the, the familiarity breeding contempt and then that running game and that, yeah, the Rams are weak, weak, weak against the run. And then all – they have so many upfield rushers that so many of those guys are going to be running past the running plays – um, I, if, if I was the Seattle offensive coordinator, I'd be running a lot of draw plays. I, I would have, I would have Russell Wilson, you know, taking some shotgun snaps, kind of scan, 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 and then boom, you know, quick handoff right up the gut, because you're going to have all those edge rushers <laughs> running right by, uh, the running back on the way. You don't see a lot of draw plays anymore, but man, I, I think this Rams team would really be susceptible to draw plays. Not only that, but to have those runs then set up later on, the big bomb throws, which we know Wilson oh, yeah. really pulls that off well. So, uh, And yeah. the, I think the Rams are set up perfectly for all of that to go well for the Seahawks and maybe their second loss of the year. Maybe. All right. So we are three for three in uh, highlight games. So, Let's, All right. Uh, see what happens with the rest of uh, – Week 10 and even more or less detail. We'll see if I can keep all the divisions uh, correctly figured out. Uh, <laughs> the Atlanta Falcons in the NFC South, not the West. Uh, and the Cleveland Browns in the AFC North, uh, not the East or the Central. Or the Central. The Central. Yeah. That was the four-team Central Division. That's right. Oh boy, the the the, the, the West, awful West linemen had four teams in the NFC. That was back when we had twenty eight teams in the NFL. Yeah, that was that was before the Jags and the Panthers came into the league. Uh, the, the cobwebs are the, the cobwebs yeah. are being shaken up in my head. I'm trying to remember all that stuff. <laughs> anyway, the four and four Falcons off the impressive road win in Washington last week, uh, going into Cleveland. Uh, 
Atlanta is a uh, let's see five and a half point favorite uh, on the road at the two six and one Cleveland Browns. Yeah, in the Dan Quinn era, the Falcons teams have really started to gel after the bye, and they they really proved it last week going up and beating a, but to that point a decent Washington Redskins team. And uh, I see no reason why they can't go on the road and, and handle Cleveland here. It feels like a trappish kind of game, but uh, I, I expect Atlanta to, to run these next couple of weeks to set up a, a really uh, fun matchup on that Thanksgiving game against the Saints. Um, that'll probably matter a lot more than we thought it would after the Falcons started one and four. So uh, I'll give the points. Matt Ryan and that offense have been they've been showing me something and going on going on the road doing it outdoors last week. I don't see any reason why they can't do it again. And that defense is playing better. It is. Uh, we were talking a little bit about that uh, and Dan Quinn and that defense. They've still got the the outline and the shell of a dominant defense, even if some of the pieces are missing. There's another pro football focus stat to that point that uh, the Falcons shockingly have 31 pass breakups, and that's the most for any defense this season. Of all those injuries – and yet they've broken up the most passes in the NFL. So that just shows Dan Quinn got that defense. They're aggressive. They go after the ball. No matter who's back there, no matter who's hurt, who's who's healthy, they will still be aggressive and, and get after it. And even with all that, five and a half points on the road outdoors, uh, I know the Browns aren't really any good, but that would be two, two weeks in a row if the Falcons pull that off, that they have pretty dominant outings on the road outside and that it seems like it's asking a lot for Atlanta for the franchises in general so I'm, I'm going to take the points in the brown fever on that one I don't feel great about it but uh, don't just can't trust Atlanta two games in a row outdoors like that Jacksonville versus Indianapolis and they're both in the same division uh the the, the south yeah the AFC south yes that's hey, the south. I think I got one right uh, they're both three and five, so no surprise. It's the cop-out line. Jags are plus three at the Colts. I don't know why, even though this is a cop-out line, I feel like this is a line that's more of a pro-Colts line. Um, and a lot of the a lot of the press and a lot of the betting public, I think, is going to be on Indy in this game because of how bad the Jags have been. But I'm thinking that the Jags coming off of that bye are playing for their season in this game. There's a good chance Leonard Fournette's going to make it back out on the field for them. That happens. That solidifies this pick for me even more. But with or without Fournette, I like the Jaguars. I concur for the same reason, and that it's it's a narrative field. It's it's all about the narrative. Yeah. The Jacksonville defense off a of bye to come brutalize the Indianapolis Colts and sort of stake their claim and start rebuilding what that defense used to be last year and let everybody know, Hey, we're back. We understand we've been slumping and, and under uh, underachieving, but we're going to put it all together right now. That's what the storybook would say. If it's a WWE booking it, that's how it would go. Uh, so I'm, I, I'm going to, I hope that's realistic. I don't know how realistic that is, but I'm going to go with it. I'll tell you another thing that makes me feel good about it is T.Y. Hilton hasn't been the same this year since he got hurt. And Andrew Luck and T.Y. Hilton, that's a, a, a magical combination, but they haven't been clicking this year. I think T.Y. Hilton called one ball last week. So uh, there's something going on there, uh, and that's not clicking. And until it does, it would be hard to trust the Colts going forward uh, against anybody. Uh, Jets and Buffalo, the 2-7 and seven Bills and the 3-6 and six Jets in a game that nobody wants to see or talk about. Uh, don't know about the quarterback situation. Uh, looks like Josh Allen may – try to go for the Bills. They better pray he does, because if it, if he doesn't, it's more Nathan Peterman. 
And then for the Jets, Jake McCrown back under center, and Sam Darnold will take a seat. Uh, so with all of that, the Bills are seven-point underdogs at the Jets. Yeah, this is going to be uh, a very bizarre pick for me here because I'm locking this game up. Whoa. Based on who starts. Ooh. If Allen starts for the Bills, <laughs> I'm locking in the Bills. If Peterman starts for the Bills, I'm locking in the Jets. Oh, my God. <laughs> so it's a contingency pick and a contingency lock. I actually lock like this Jets offense more with Jake McCrown than I do with Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold has looked lost. He kind of like this injury maybe came at the right time for him. He needed to just take a seat and cool down. He was throwing picks like he was a Pez dispenser. I mean, he was he, he was going to earn himself a pretty bad nickname about the giveaways that he was uh, creating for that offense. I think that McCrown can come in, steady the ship. Uh, if that's McCown against Peterman, that that that's lock territory for me. Um, but Josh Allen has been completely different. He's been more dynamic. He's been guided. He's guided them to their wins, and and you know, and impressive wins as well. And I think if he's out there running that offense, he has mobility, he can move the ball. The, the, the Bills can keep that game within a touchdown. Peterman might not keep that within three touchdowns. <laughs> so wow, that is that's dizzying right there. I gotta I gotta get all that figured out. So wait, if uh, so, if Jake McCrown, uh, Jake McCrown's well, the one to play. I think Darnold's doubtful. Yeah, so basically, this is whoever starts for the Bills. Is my you know is locking me into one or the other team? If it's if it's Allen, I'm on the Bills. If it's Peterman, come on, it's Peterman. <laughs> then I'm on the, the Jets. You're locking in the Jets. Okay. Yeah. I was actually uh, locked in all week on the Jets until today. I started seeing the whispers and the rumors that Allen might play. I'm like, oh man, this is going to totally screw up my lock. And I'm <laughs> like, well, you know, if it's good enough to screw up my lock, then it's good enough to lock it in the other way. There you go. So there you go. That's that's a first. Um, yeah. I you, you completely stole my thunder because this was going to be and still is my first contingency pick of oh, the season. It's obviously, my, I've obviously used my lock, so we don't have that even in play. Yeah. But but I I completely concur in the same fashion. If it's Josh Allen, I'll take the Bills and the points gladly. And if it's Peterman, I'll take the Jets and give the seven. Uh, That's funny. Gladly. Okay, you're just not doing. You're just not. You're just not putting I'm the just, bow on it like I am. No, okay. you you beat me there. You locked it in on either side. That is a first, and, and I did not see that coming. So bravo to you. Yeah, we got to keep things uh, fresh here in much less detail. That that's that's a new one. Uh, to the NFC uh, in the Norris division. Uh, no, it's the NFC North now. Uh, with the let the the Lions and the Bears, uh, their first meeting of the year. Detroit at three and five, seven point underdogs at the five and three Bears. I'm still mystified by the Golden Tate trade. So yeah, I'll take the Bears. <laughs> I don't think the Lions are gonna. How are the Lions gonna score? Um, it's going to be very, even more difficult. It should be return of the Mac. Uh, Khalil Mack should be back for that game uh, for Chicago. So however difficult it was going to be, it should be even more difficult. Uh, and carry on Johnson, their running back has got an ankle. He's been impressive for the lions, but he's got an ankle situation. So he's not going to be a hundred percent. Yeah, I concur. I'll take uh, Chicago and I'll give the seven 
Uh, Mitch Trubisky has been something different at home than he has in, has been on the road, and uh, Detroit is 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 lightable. They they uh, their secondary is is light upable very much so. And Darius Slay, uh, their playmaking cornerback, is out. So this this sets up very well for Chicago. Uh, Tampa Bay and Washington, the Skins at the Buccaneers. We should both be getting the heebie-jeebies when we see that matchup because oh. that is the worst playoff game yeah. ever. And we was it worse than it Bills live. Jaguars last year? That was really bad. Think it? I don't know. I I think it was worse. Um, I mean, I was, we've had some bad ones since that Washington-Tampa game. We had that Ryan Lindley game. That was awful. We had the Connor Cook game. That Connor was Cook, awful. Yeah, so we've had some other really bad. But those were those games were, like, situational. Where, like, there was an injury that created the bad matchup. Nothing happened in that Washington. That was just bad football. Bad, bad football. Yeah. Just the worst. So, yes, I sitting do up get there in your house watching that. Just, I just broke oh. into a cold sweat. Yeah, uh, sorry. So, 5-3 and three Washington, uh, the cop-out line, three-point underdogs, add uh, turnover Bernie Sanders and the three-and-five Buccaneers. Yeah, so the, the Washington, the, 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 coming out of the last week against Atlanta, the, the news was that Washington's team basically fell apart. Like, the old line died. Uh, yeah. Everybody on the Everybody Washington does. team got hurt. Like, literally, the team just, like, the end of the Bruce Brothers, their car just fell apart. <laughs> um, right in front of Daly Center, pff, car just falls <laughs> apart. Uh, but I don't think Tampa's the team that's going to take advantage of that. Their defense is bad. They're not going to get after Alex Smith. I, I think the Redskins can win this game because I don't know what the hell Tampa's doing. They don't know who their quarterback is. is which one are you going to get? So, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll take the team I trust more here, which is the beat-up-to-death Washington Redskins. What's that tell you? That's hard to believe. Um, I don't. I definitely don't trust either team as far as I can throw them. Uh, but I'm going to take uh, turnover Bernie Sanders. That's still the number one passing team oh, in the league. Yeah, I know. Uh, they're, they're still doing it through the air. They're certainly not doing it on the ground. And the Redskins will let you have it through the air. Uh, so I, I'm going to trust the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in this spot and give the three points uh, and hold my nose while I do that. The uh, biggest spread of the week. Here is the Arizona Cardinals at two and six. And do they have any pride at all? We will find out. They are 16 and a half point underdogs at the eight and one Kansas city chiefs. I don't care how much pride they have. They don't have talent. I'll take the Chiefs. squish. You need talent. That's, that's a big part of it. Yes, I, I, I agree. Um, any pride of any of those guys, David Johnson, uh, the defense, Larry Fitzgerald, any anybody at all? Hello, anybody home? Uh, in the end, I'm going to concur. I, I don't. I, it's the biggest spread since the Buffalo Bills yeah. got 16 points at Minnesota in Week Three, and we know how that turned out. Buffalo actually won the game, so just a big spread in general is going to make me very nervous, of course. But uh, I took Minnesota in that one because the talent level uh, was so much different, and the talent level is very different here. And I'm going to take. Kansas City with you and give the 16 and a half and then hope that everything works out for us. Uh, Chiefs get Justin Houston back from injury, so hopefully that will help uh, shore up the pass rush and, and get after the, the rookie uh, Josh Rosen. Uh, but that's a lot of points. Uh, but yeah, the, ta- the talent level really does uh, deserve that big old point spread. Uh, on to the late games, the 
Clippers and the Raiders, uh, the L.A. Chargers uh, get to visit the Oakland Raiders, and we finally get to see that Oakland home stadium, home field advantage reaction that you've been talking about, that that crowd don't basically go. needs to turn and revolt don't, on that Don't franchise. do it. I like that guy yelling at you in the snowstorm. It's not worth it. <laughs> go home. <laughs> exactly what he yelled yeah that's i, uh, I know because you told the story so many times that you know they yeah, just could yeah. imagine again don't do it it's not worth it <laughs> <laughs> that's me yelling to raiders fans right outside the stadium i had to tell that story uh many times yeah. i almost died that day i swear that's what it felt like but anyway um, the Chargers are 10-point favors, another big spread. Uh, Clippers give 10 on the road at the Raiders. I don't know if I'm picking the Raiders again this year. They're quitting. They're not tanking. They're quitting, and that's worse. I'm going to take the Clippers here and give them all. Completely quitting. Just FedEx mailing it in, uh, Merga, all of that. Just uh, Like I said, I thought it was going to be the hardest quit ever that they weren't turning in uh, an injury report, but the Rams did it as well. It was actually a rematch of week five. Uh, the Clippers beat Oakland at home 26 to 10. And yeah, that, that makes about, I can see about the same score because there is no home field advantage for the Raiders right now. Uh, Miami and Green Bay up there in your neck of the woods, the five and four Dolphins. This has to be partially weather related. I don't know if it's actually snow in the forecast. You certainly know more than I do what the uh, forecast. It's cold I know it's and windy, cold. I'll tell you that. Now, those I drove home third. in snow tonight. It took me forever to get home tonight. I was driving home, and the snow was blowing across the highway. I couldn't see where I was going. It was bad. It's bad out there. So when you compare records and look at the spread, it, it actually doesn't make any sense. It has to be partially because of the weather. But the five and four Dolphins, uh, who are well, they've been getting disrespected all year by the by the by the yes, they So uh, they are ten and a half point underdogs at the three, four, and one Green Bay Packers. Yeah, no, I actually I, I like the Dolphins to win. So I'm obviously what? taking the points. Wow. But, but this is the Mike McCarthy Dead Man Walking Tour. Oh, you've been on that. That's for sure. You, uh, yeah, I can understand why you wouldn't lock it in, though, because it looks like more Brock Osweiler under center for Miami. Yeah. So that's very hard to lock that in. But I concur. That's a lot of I don't. I don't say that they're going to win, but I, that's way too many points for a team that has a winning record against a team with a losing record. I don't care what the circumstances are, uh, unless it's a catastrophic injury. Uh, the Dolphins have been disrespected all year, and this is just part of that. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll take the 10 and a half. I don't, I, and, and, of course, Aaron Rodgers has been great, but, and I've, been giving him his, I've been giving him the credit that he deserves, but 10 and a half? Jeez. Uh, on Sunday Night Football, it's, uh, hey, I think I know this division. It's the NFC East. It's the division that everyone in the media can't stop talking about. It's the Dallas Cowboys and the Philadelphia Eagles. Cowboys at 3-5 and five are 7.5-point dogs at the 4-4 four and four world champion Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, so let me get this straight to you. Let's see. The Cowboys uh, just lost Sean Lee, so he's the Messiah. He's gone. Uh, they just got embarrassed by the Tennessee Titans in, in Texas, in Dallas, on uh, – you know, for all the world to see, uh, Dak Prescott is still the quarterback. Jason Garrett's still the coach. Carson Wentz is turning everything around, and the Eagles are just going to run it. No, you know what? I'm going to take the Cowboys. What? What? You know why? Hmm? Because. Oh, no. 
you know what? At least I'm on the right side of just because this time. I also am taking the Cowboys. Oh. Um, yeah, I spoiled it for you. <laughs> Damn it. I, I spoiled it. you um, up. I know. No, Philly's been slumping, but uh, Dallas has a chance that they pound Ezekiel Elliott and limit Dak Prescott. I think uh, they, they're going to they're gonna do that. I would hope that they're smart enough to do that. Monday night, the, uh, oh, God, Giants end of 49ers. Yeah. Good Lord. Cop out line, Giants are three-point dogs at the Niners. Yeah, I'll tell you what. Nick Mullins gets his second NFL start, and it's not against a team that's completely quit. It's just against a team that's completely garbage. But I still need to see more from Nick Mullins. So I'm going to take the Giants to win on Monday Night Football. I think it's a, a perfect setup to, to keep the kid looking good and another terrible opponent and everyone's going to fall in love with him and uh, he's going to cry again on national TV on a, on another oh. primetime broadcast. And, yeah, I'll take the 49ers and give the three. I, I think it's one oh, of those, no. those uh, storyline deals. You know, it's like a soap yeah. opera. Okay. Get the, the 49ers are going to have another Cinderella quarterback that wins a bunch of meaningless oh, yeah. games for them. And yeah. <laughs> Now, will Kyle, Hitt, will Kyle Shanahan be smart enough to trade Nick Mullins for a number two? That's what yeah. remains to be seen. The, the UDFA, if you can flip him for a number two, uh, you are a genius. Coach it is not about, it's not about if he's smart enough. It's about can he find someone stupid enough to be the oh, partner. Sure. In as long as John Gruden someone will be stupid enough. Murga, Murga. I, I don't know. He's got A.J. McCarron. I mean, how can you possibly no, disrespect A.J. McCarron? Was the one who had to see firsthand the greatness of Cedric Mullins. That's all. He, he showed his moxie uh, in front of his team, so he's got to <laughs> make sure that he picks that guy up. He, he's the guy that embarrassed my team. Yeah, This guy leads the league in guts. Uh-huh. Uh, no, there would be a lot more Nick Mullins jerseys being sold after uh, this game than Des Bryant, and, and deservedly so. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know, there was somebody, there were some Saints fans, you know, they were ordering their Bryant jerseys. You know it. No, I saw it on Twitter that some guys were being oh, uh, cold no. taped for, for talking about how many jerseys they were going to buy when the, when oh. the signing was made. And, and they're going to throw up the X and, and they're all in <laughs> on this and all that. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> I wonder if there's any Des Bryant Saints jerseys on eBay right now. Already? Probably. Take a look, shall we? <laughs> We're actually going to do our first ever eBay search here. A little interactive Des podcast. Bryant Saints jersey. Let's see if anybody has put a <laughs> Des Bryant. Oh, yep, they're up there. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, you can buy it now for one ninety nine. I'll I'll do that dollar ninety nine absolutely. No, one hundred and ninety nine dollars. Oh shit! Yeah, no, no. The authentic ones. These aren't like the knockoff Chinese ones. They do have the knockoff Chinese ones for like forty four ninety nine. <laughs> oh, the ones that fall apart on the first time you wash them. Yeah, there it is. Des, Des Bryant jerseys <laughs> all ready to go, number 88. They even have t-shirts. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. I, I'm oh, not the least bit surprised no. that they're on, on eBay already. Yeah, 
I want to get, get a I'm going to get a custom 88 Saints jersey with the name Achilles on it. Oh. There'll be people buying those jerseys too. Uh, it might be Cowboys fans buying them and, and wearing them in, in, in irony. Oh uh, yeah, to to to, to kind of stick it to to Jerry Jones and Jason Garrett because you know you didn't need Des Bryant, but you needed to blow a number one draft pick for Amari Cooper. No, they'll buy them because they're idiot, arrogant Cowboys fans, and they'll be like, "Hey, this is karma. He didn't come back to the Cowboys and see what happened uh, to him. Cowboys, baby." Oh, like this is somehow a blessing for the Cowboys. Right, right. Yeah, the, you no. know the Cowboys fans turn it in. I have not thought about it that way one bit. Well, you don't have to work with Cowboys fans every day, so oh. I, I get to see that attitude, and God, they're the most annoying fans. So Really? Yes, the uh, most. I, I'm st- For football, maybe, I'm still going to say St. Louis Cardinals fans take the cake. Uh, you deal with Cardinals fans. Having, lot, to, having so. had to have dealt with them at Wrigley Field many mm-hmm. times, nothing was worse. I mean, the White Sox had come in, the Yankees weren't that bad, but that series, you were at that game with me with the Yankees. Um, was that was was that the write that shit down game? Yes. The game that the Cubs won on a uh, pickoff. <laughs> <laughs> the walk-off pickoff by Joe Borowski. Oh, or the, Joe, Joe Borowski picked the Yankees base runner off a of first base to end the game because the Yankees were completely coming back and winning that game. Now, I'm not going to remember who the kid was that got picked off to end it. The, all I, I know, know is he the, was a pinch runner. Yeah, I know that the Yankees threw Andy Pettit in that game, so I got to go. I get to watch Andy Pettit get destroyed, which was nice. I'm sure that made your night. Andy Pettit. <laughs> I'm sure I've told that story of that game uh, on previous podcasts, but it's, I'm yeah. sure it's been some years since I did it. But just very briefly, the reason I I I, I say it that it's unbelievable how many Cub games that I went to as a fan of the opposing team because I'm that asshole that's a White Sox yeah, fan you're that guy. Cubs, so. So I've, I've been to Cubs-Braves games at Wrigley where I had a Braves jersey on. I've been to many Cubs-Sox games at Wrigley where I had my Sox jersey on. I went to uh, Cubs – it was Cubs-Yankees uh, that you invited me, and it was the first time – it was early in the stages of interleague, so it was the first time the Yankees visited Wrigley Field that weekend since literally, what, the, the 30s or something like that, the 1930s? Yeah, it was definitely uh, like a historic thing. So that was back when right. I had season uh, tickets, you know. And so it's the sun, the the Sunday night, uh, the Sunday game, the last game of the weekend is Sunday night baseball. It's the prime time game. I did not wear. I had a Yankees jersey. I, I have one. I did not wear my Yankees jersey. All I wore was the cap. I had on a a, a t shirt or a, or a knit shirt, yeah. college or something like that, and blue jeans. And a Yankees cap. That's all I had was just a cap. And the section that we were sitting in, the guys that were in my ear just giving me shit. Like, I, they assumed I was from New York and I was in there to watch the Yankees because uh, just because I had the cap on. So they were just all in my – they were literally yelling in my ear, screaming all throughout the game. Uh, so at one point, uh, the 
I'm, I'm keeping score, by the way. This is where the, the whole line comes in about write that shit down. It's because I'm a baseball nerd, and I love keeping score of whatever game that I happen to be attending. So I'm sitting there with, with the scorecard, and I'm keeping score of the game. And the Cubs get a rally and, and score some runs, and I'm writing it down, and the guy is screaming in my ear, did you get that? Did you write that shit down? You see that? You see that score? You see that write that down? Um, and at one point, the Yankees came back, and I believe they, they they hit a home run, and I don't remember if it just got them within the run or if it tied the game. I think it may have tied the game. And I'm not engaging with these crazy fans because that's not what I do. You know, you know I don't want to fight anybody ever. I haven't fought anyone since second grade. But when the, the Yankees hit that home run and tied the game, it, it, something just surged inside of me because – of all the heckling I was getting. So I turned around to the guys and said, I wrote that shit down. I got that. You see that home run? I wrote that down. So I was, so now I'm giving it back to them. So now we're going back and they didn't have any re- response to that, of course. Um, but, but as the Cubs once again, rally and take the lead as the game gets later, they're getting louder and louder. And then the ninth inning happens where, uh, as we've already said, they're, they got Joe Borowski trying to close the game. And that was always an adventure. And the Yankees get a guy on base, and they pinch run for him, some skinny black guy that some random flea. Um, it obviously wasn't Terrence Gore because this is, you know, 15 years ago, but it was a Terrence Gore-like person. And the guy promptly got picked off first base, and that's that was the third out of the game. So if you can imagine how loud and how much pandemonium that a regular season win would be, you wouldn't think it would be that much. But this was the Yankees – uh, in town for the first time in 80 years, and it was a pickoff walk-off, and the place just lost its mind and went crazy. You thought you thought they would have won the World Series right then and there, and the guys yelling in my ear after that pick after that pickoff <laughs> after the games ended, they were so loud that I was getting spittle in my ear. One guy at one point slapped me hard in the back, uh, heckling me after the game is over, and I almost I almost got up. I almost did something. It was it was really close because they were because now you're hitting me. Now it's it's you know a form of assault, and now I have the right if I want to. I believe I have the right to turn around and slug your ass in the face, uh, but I, I didn't. I kept my cool, and and thankfully you know nothing else happened the rest of the evening. But that's the that's the most heckled I've ever been at a game. Now let me once again explain to you. I have been to Cubs-Sox games at Wrigley Field wearing not just a White Sox jersey, but a gray T-shirt that I used to have that said, uh, I forget exactly, on the back it said Cubs suck, and on the front it said Cubs magic number 911. I I don't know how much more uh, aggressive you could wear and and never got much... That is a bad oh, yeah. White Sox fan shirt. Yeah, you were living you were living it up. I was. And never got any level of hatred and vitriol the way that I got that night wearing a Yankees cap. That's all I wore. So that's the story of write that shit down. And I, I still to this day can't believe that that's the most heckling I ever got for any game I've ever been to. Yeah. I was there. I saw it happen. This is crazy. Uh, so and, I, you've been to, and you've been to Wrigley Field many times. Never had it that bad. Not only that, but and like I said, wearing Sox gear and wearing the Cubs Sox shirt, and 
for a streak there, every Cub Sox game I went to, counting the other side of town as well, there was about a six or seven game streak of games that I attended. There was a fight, uh, like literally a fist fight during the game at some point. And nobody ever tried to fight me. Uh, but at this game, here they're yelling in my ear and slapping my back. I, I still can't believe it. That's the most likely I forgot. Yeah, they were they they were up for that game. It was a big deal. Oh, I, apparently. But yeah, you would have thought I'd have been in a fight in, in any number of those other uh, games where I was wearing the, the other team's gear. We were running on the totally field, beating up first base coaches. Yeah, I, I, me and the Leguiz never uh, had a run in or anything like that. Thank goodness. That, that uh, an oversight that we will have to. Uh, Correct one of these years with our Hall of Infamy, uh, the Legui Boys. Um, Definitely, so someone's going to have to put them in. Uh, did I ever turn the question around to you and ask what's the worst heckling that you ever got at a game? Was would it be a Cardinals game? <sighs> well, it, it's not so much the heckling. I, I don't know if I've ever really been that directly heckled for like something I was wearing at a game. Um, I, 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 I think I told the story about when I wore a Falcons jacket to the bears, to a bears game. Yeah. Yeah. That was probably the most uncomfortable I ever felt, you know, where, wearing the Falcons, uh, jacket. Cause I had a, a Falcons jacket and a Packers jacket and a Falcons winter coat and a Packers winter coat. I'm like, well, I can't wear a Packers winter coat to a Bears game. They were playing the Eagles, so it's not like it merely matters. So I'm like, okay, I'll just wear my Falcons coat. Who's going to care? Nobody said a word to me. Walking in, I'm a big guy. I'm walking in the stadium. I'm leaving the stadium. Nobody said a single word to me. Except while I'm walking back to the car, word starts to spread around uh, that the major underdog Falcons had beaten the San Francisco 49ers and Joe Montana. And, oh. But by winning that game, they eliminated the Bears from the playoffs. Uh-oh. The Bears had to beat the Eagles and all the San Francisco 49ers and the great Joe Montana had to do were beat Bobby Bear, I think it was, or something <laughs> like that. I mean, just so, yeah. And beat the Falcons. He was on the Falcons Saints all those years, so yeah. it might have been uh, your boy Chris Miller or something like that. Well, the Falcons were losing the whole game, and then they came back and scored like 17 in the fourth quarter to win the game and eliminate the Bears from the playoffs. And I am the idiot. I'm the only person wearing a Falcons jacket. That's probably the most unsafe I have ever felt. Well, it was one of those, like, we better let's get back to the car, like, now. <laughs> But, but nobody wound up saying anything or doing anything. No, no, no. And, you know, and, the, and the, the Cardinal fans were more just annoying. There's just like groups of them and they, 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 they like, oh, they cheered, they, they like over cheered for everything. Kind of like what Brewer fans were doing this year. That was kind of getting annoying to me. Like if you were watching the, the playoffs with the Brewers and the playoffs, the, the, the fans were overreacting to every little thing like ball one. You know, and the mm-hmm. whole place would, like, explode. And it's like you could tell that this was a fandom that just did not know how to, like, act <laughs> with 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 winning baseball at all. Or, or it, 
so there was like they had no sense of like this is how you behave. It was like the year before when I knew that the the Brewers had you know shot their wad when they way overreacted like they'd won the World Series when they when they beat the Cubs in a walk off um, to get within like a game and a half late in the season, and that was like the closest they ever got. I was like, yep, they they, they you could just tell that there was a team that didn't know how to deal with the, sort of like the prosperity of their position. And the, the, the Brewer fans were even on TV were starting to get to me as, as, as much as it pains me to say, because I'm surrounded by Brewers fans. I'm, I'm, I'm so glad they lost that we did not get subjected <laughs> to, and not because I was rooting against them. I was, I was rooting against Craig council and the opener or the, 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 uh, the out getter or whatever the hell he was calling it. It was oh, so he, dumb. He pitched to one batter. He's got to go. He's done. Oh, Hit the shower. He walked a guy. He walked a guy. Go get him. Oh. Do you take a shower after that, or you just sit down and, and watch know, the rest of the game? He didn't even go back. He he just went to the dugout and just sat down. It's not like he lathered up or anything. He's you know, pitched to one guy. Oh man, they, I'm so glad that ended. And then the but the the ultimate outcome I don't think changed. I think the Red Sox destroy whoever comes out of there. But the farther the Brewers went, the more legitimacy that would have created, and I just I didn't want to see that continue. No, it's a oh, little uh, bit of uh, news item today. Just uh, quickly, I wanted to say uh, farewell to Joe Mauer. Uh, Joe Mauer yeah. announced his retirement today, um, which is not a, anything I believe that normally ever would have made our show, other than the fact that Joe Mauer. Uh, was an integral part of our very first ever winning ad hack team. Our first, uh, the first time we ever won. Um, Joe Maurer was one of my very first minor league draft picks in that league, um, and it would be constantly, you know, consequently, the year that we uh, won the league for the very first time was that year that Maurer hit like three seventy. Um, that our that our team batting average was over three hundred. Now think about that for a fantasy team. You have 14 guys, and you end up hitting 300 for a full season. That's domination. That was domination, and we ended up dominating our way to a one-and-a-half-point victory that year. <laughs> uh, we we clung to that that very first year. But no, I just wanted to say, uh, you know, happy trails to Joe Mar. Never really panned out into to what the what the talent could have been. Um, great catcher, could hit for no power. Um, probably played better in a different era, probably been a much more recognized player if he had played in the the seventies or in the eighties, uh, when he could have been sort of appreciated, um, for hitting for the high batting average, especially at the catcher position, but the knees just didn't hold up. They tried to transition him into a first baseman and you you can't hit eight home runs a year and play first base. No. Unless you're Mark Grace. uh... You're gonna be or uh, Doug Minkiewicz. You're uh, you're gonna be able to you're gonna be able to put Maurer into the Hall of Infamy. That'll be your guy because he's not sniffing the Hall of Fame. He's gonna go down to the pantheon of the guys that uh, won an MVP and are not gonna be anywhere near the actual Hall of Fame. It's gonna be him yeah. and Dale Murphy and and Igor Juan Gonzalez and guys like that. That because yeah. uh, he, he, he was very very great for that MVP season and. Yeah. Pretty, you know, pretty high. Yeah, I mean, he, 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 
he had value beyond just the stats. I mean, he was a very good defensive player. He was a, he seemed like he was a very good character guy. He was a, he was a Minnesota kid. So it was sort of like, you know, hometown kid kind of makes good, um, high draft pick by them. So every, everything with him, yeah, if there was a, you know, if they had a hall, a hell of a ball player, that's what he'd be. He'd be in the hall of hell of a ball player. Joe Maurer was a hell of a ball player uh, who could have been a lot more than he was, but he was playing at a position that his body couldn't handle. Um, had a lot of injuries uh, early on. It was like it was years before he even played a full season because um, he kept getting injured in the minors or every time he'd try to show up uh, up on the Twins, he'd play a couple of games and he'd get hurt. He was like Sean Lee. Um He's the Sean Lee of baseball, but when he when he when he could play, the the, the man could hit. Even when he had no power, um, he he always hit for a, a, a high average. So, uh, you know, so I wanted to say, uh, you know, bid adieu to to Joe Mauer and thanks for all the cash. <laughs> and if you want a master class in how to keep your writing career going, even when you have no material. Uh, go and find some of the Minnesota writers that spent years bashing and trashing Joe Maurer because he didn't live up to that MVP season. No matter how good he actually was, uh, they made a, a cottage industry out of criticizing him and acting yeah. like the Twins couldn't win because of all the money they were paying Joe Maurer, like he was just this big albatross, uh, ignoring the fact that there are eight other positions on the field that the Twins could have drafted and fielded and just couldn't because they weren't good enough. Yeah, but it was all powerful because he made all the money. Let, and let's not forget, the Twins never amounted to anything in the playoffs. But the fact that the Twins, with no payroll, dominated that division year after year after year after year, and you knew they would make the playoffs and that they would lose, and it was usually to the Yankees, but the, the Twins were sitting at or near the top of that division for a very long time in an era that said they shouldn't compete and Maurer and Morneau and there were a lot of a lot of very good players that were on that team Corey um, Hunter and Jacques oh, yeah. Jones and guys like right. that very good twins teams uh, never amounted to much but it, they gave uh, you know I, I don't know if the, the twins fans or the people in Minnesota realized how lucky they were to have competitive baseball you know year after year after year and how hard what they were doing was. I mean, I remember listening to the Sox radio on 670, you know, and uh, basically every year to be, you know, the, the the White Sox were always chasing the Twins, and you'd always hear the fans call them, going, we still got 14 games left against the Twins. <laughs> and the Twins we're, just we're coming for you. The White, you as a White Sox fan had to appreciate it, because I know you appreciate baseball, but, man, the Twins just owned you guys. I hated the Twins. I motherfucking Tory Hunter. Oh God! Owned you guys. <laughs> who did he up. just? Who did he just destroy at home plate on that one play? I forget. Yeah, but you know, I, I know that was exactly Tory Hunter. Wasn't you're it? talking about? Yes, yeah. it was. He, yeah, he that was Tory Hunter. When he, down when he and, just and yeah. blowed somebody up. Yeah, he blowed him up, and then got up and like would have gotten the 15 yard taunting flag <laughs> afterwards if they had that. Oh God! I hope that wasn't uh, Mike Lavalier's last days uh, <laughs> as, as a major league catcher. It might—it was something like that. It was some guy that just yeah. got destroyed. Yeah. yeah. 
Well, and thanks to Joe Maurer as well for giving us uh, some non sequitur material here in the show. Now that now that we're talking, when Mike Lavalier comes up, <laughs> we've reached we've reached that point. And it reminded me of a quick story. Uh, going back to my oh. days of, of of being in Minnesota, uh, in Minneapolis, uh, a few times back in 2004, I believe it was uh, that very infamous year. And, uh, yeah. I won't get into all the details, but just, uh, and I'm sure I told you this story before, but I'm walking uh, downtown with the the person that I was uh, seeing up there in Minneapolis at the time. And we're just basically taking sort of a train tour of downtown and, and then walking around. And we just have to walk right past uh, the, the old, the old Tinker Dome as, as uh, Mike Dicker used to call it. The, the, the roller uh, dome. The, <laughs> uh, the, the old, uh, Hubert H. Humphrey Metrodome, where the twins used to play. So this was Worst during the summer. Worst stadium I've ever been to, by the way. Worst. <laughs> so this was during the summer, so the twins were in town, and they were going to uh, play the Yankees that night. So it just seemed like sort of a perfect opportunity to go see them. And the, the cherry on top was that uh, the twin starter that night was scheduled to be Johan Santana. And Johan Santana back then was a dominant, dominant pitcher. He was, oh, yeah. had that changeup was like 15 miles an hour slower than his fastball, and guys would just look silly trying to swing at it. And they were, at, uh, ironically, they were going to be facing Andy Pettit that night uh, as the Yankees were in town. Uh, and we contemplated uh, getting a ticket, uh, getting, getting two tickets and going that night, and in the end, uh, it was that person that I was with who decided, no, don't want to do that. Uh, first of all, the Twins suck. They're probably going to lose because it's the Yankees. And second of all, it was actually uh, very close to capacity when we uh, inquired at the box office about tickets. Really, the only things, uh, the only tickets that were left were up in this sort of dollar section. And she told me, you don't want to sit in that section. It's so far away. You can't see anything. It's a terrible seat. Uh, and that's really, that was really the only seats that were left because it was the Yankees and it was uh, everyone really wanted to go see that game. So we wound up not going. Um, and uh, as a baseball freak and a baseball fan, unfortunately, that was a great game for Johan Santana and the twins beat the Yankees that night. And it would have been great to say that I saw Johan Santana uh, in the Tinker Dome uh, at, at the peak of his powers. But unfortunately, uh, it did not happen. Wow. Well, that's kind of sad. I, I've seen, uh, I saw two ball games at uh, the Metrodome, uh, Cubs Twins for one, and then I saw a Rays uh, Twins game for the other one. That was that was exciting. I saw was, uh, <laughs> saw Kenny Rogers pitch for the Twins. Gambler, the gambler, and he was pitching for me for our fantasy team in that game. Uh, and our closer Eddie Gardado got the save. Oh, uh, easy Eddie. Oh, going back so to every real day names, Eddie. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I, yeah, Kenny Rogers and Eddie Gardado, and I, you know, we got uh, winning a save in that game. I thought that was kind of fun to see. I think Tory Hunter hit two home runs in that game. Not a, not a surprise. Uh, that was a small ballpark, man. You could get him out of there easy. Um, and uh, yeah, it was a good. I couldn't tell you anything at all about the Rays team. That was that bad double Rays. Those, those, those are some bad Rays teams that were, that yeah. were there. But it, 
I couldn't even remember if that was any of that was like the Carl Crawford days or or any or any of that. But Rocco Baldelli. Yeah. <laughs> Who's gonna be a coach now? Is he a manager now? I believe he's a manager now, yeah. I see that. Oh man. Now we're old. Guys <laughs> when guys who I have had on my fantasy team are now, are now managers. Oh. That's the worst. So we got a little baseball in our football show here. Yeah, I was about to say, how about a little Alex Cora? We're watching him run around the infield, and yeah. next thing you know, he's managing a world champion. Hey. It's crazy. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know if we really got a chance. We didn't really get to talk much. Uh, did we? we didn't really spend much time on the World Series. Oh, I did be- I did talk about you the you didn't watch, watch any of it. I didn't need yeah. to. I yeah. didn't need to. If there's anything that, you know, there's, there's death, taxes, and the Red Sox are going to win the World Series. <laughs> Oh, the Red Sox and, Sean Lee injuries. I, and Sean Lee. Injuries. I'm, con- yeah. I'm convinced if the Astros would have won that series uh, over the Red Sox somehow, that they would have done the exact same thing to the Dodgers. They would have beat them. Oh five, yeah, no, because the, the Astros and the Red Sox were the two best teams in in baseball, mm-hmm. and the Yankees were probably third, and probably. the Indians were probably fourth. I would have taken any <laughs> American League team, I think, in the World Series. No, I, I think you're right. We we had that happen uh, a few years ago in uh, in football, where we were where we were like, you know, the, the the one year where we said that there were like four teams in the AFC or whatever it was that year that didn't make the playoffs that would have beaten the NFC team in the Super Bowl. Yeah, I remember. Where very lost stacked. Though. Yeah, very stacked. Now, not so bad. Now, not so much now. Doesn't feel so heavy one side or the other, so I'm I'm not uh, at least this year. It's, everything is so wide open now with the offense, with the rules. There's no there's no predicting anything. I mean, who would have thought we would have had a Super Bowl like that one that we had this last year, the Arena Bowl? I know, but but we have a show where we try to predict things. So when you say there's no predicting, well, that <laughs> well, we shows how difficult it. this is. It is hard. It is hard. Well, I'm I'm having a charm season so far. I've, all my rankings are going up on these national sites. I'm getting sort of excited about where I am. That uh, pick watch site where I think I was 11th a few weeks ago. I'm actually up to fourth now. So I, I keep climbing the standings. Uh, they don't. They're very vague about prizes on that site. They say that there is a prize uh, for people who win the season uh, picks, and they always they also say that there's supposed to be a, like a prize for uh, weekly winners, so the people who have the best weeks. They don't say what those prizes are, so I I, I haven't a gotten hat. anything yet, so I, it, I'll take a hat. I'll wear a hat proudly if I earned it by virtue of my picks, but uh, don't know anything about that. Uh, covers.com, which is where we get the point spreads, uh, their free handicapping contest, uh, which I think I was uh, ranking in the 40s right now, uh, that's actually got a pay structure. That's actually like three thousand dollars to the winner. So I and, and wow. more money down the line after that. So I actually know that I'm competing for something there. Um, and that's uh, you, you get uh, you earn points on that one any way you can. So that's points for it and over unders that I pick for that. Uh, uh, the, the the pick watch site is just uh, point spreads only. But. Yep. Yeah. It's been a very good first half of the season for me. I'm, I'm hoping I can keep it up. I'm very nervous about this week. I, all these big spreads, all these games that are probably 
not very good on paper, but like I said, you know some of these teams are going to wind up playing over their heads, and some of these favorites are going to wind up not caring because you know they're going to under, underestimate their opponent. That's just nature. That's human nature. It's just trying yeah, to figure and out we have a and we have a. So, yeah, I thought I had a nice mix of favorites and underdogs, but you and I agreed on a like a creepy amount of games this week. <laughs> we did do a lot of agreeing. Uh, let's see. Um. Whoa, uh, three? I think we three? disagree on on three. Wow. <laughs> Let me go back and recount that. That's, okay. that's okay. About the lowest we've ever uh, had as far as yeah. games that we're well, against each other. Well, four, four if you count Thursday night. I don't want to count Thursday. I don't want to think about Thursday night. <laughs> I'm not here to talk about the past. <laughs> I do not player. have sexual relations with that woman, Mr. Lindsay. <laughs> And I would never cheat on baseball. Never. 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 Mm-hmm. You got to get the finger point. I do. I got the finger point for Palmero. I got the, yeah. the knuckle wag thing that Bill Clinton yeah. did. I don't, I've never seen that before yeah. or since. Or you, you don't yeah. point your finger, you wag your knuckle. I've, I've yeah. never seen that. Yeah, you just got those automatic responses. You know, you got the rocking with the, sphin- with the finger snapping for Jingle Bell Rock. And then you got the, <laughs> and then you got the finger wag. Well, that's being indoctrinated by your school. That shouldn't count. That's, uh, oh, okay. We got, we got brainwashed there. Oh. <laughs> it was brainwashing? Yeah, We had Renard on the show. We brought that up. and he Or Tim or somebody. Yeah. We were talking about that. Can you, can you listen to Jingle Bell Rock now without starting to rock and snap your fingers? No, you can't. Because <laughs> we, no. we got brainwashed. <laughs> Uh, so you're saying they were doing like mind control experiments on us or something? That's all it really was. They were. They they taught us sign language for one reason and one reason only to do White Christmas. That's oh it. my God! Yeah, the the, uh, the tree. Oh jeez. Uh, <laughs> C for for Christmas. You put your elbow out and you put the arm over the elbow yeah. for the C. Or the, the, yeah. the dreaming. You know, you got to put the finger yeah. against your head and make the squiggly line coming <laughs> off your head for dreaming. Right? No, you gotta you gotta wink, wiggle yeah. your fingers and bring them down slowly. Snow. Yeah, yeah. Did I ever Did tell you... on the air my Chicago Auto Show story? I don't know if you did. Oh, so I'm at the Chicago Auto Show uh, with our buddy Billy the Loser um, and a couple of our, my other friends, people who you know, but people who nobody we've never really referenced on the show. But we're at the Chicago Auto Show. It's like the last time I ever went to the Chicago Auto Show. And, you know, every, have, you, have you ever been to the auto show at McCormick Place? I have not. Okay. Well, it's a big deal. You know, and it used to just be in the big building, in the lakefront building, you know, and then they added on to McCormick Place, right? So they added that whole big uh, area across. So it became like this huge thing where now it's like in two different buildings. So I'm at the auto show, and I'm at one of the car exhibits, and there's a dude up on the stage, or lady, it's actually a lady up on the stage, you know, giving a presentation, right, about whatever brand new car for, it was probably like 2001, was like one of the last years I lived down in Chicago, and they're giving the presentation, they're very excited, and right next to them, of course, they have the person who's doing the sign language. Mm. Very normal, right? One tiny problem. The platform was rotating. (laughs) So I'm standing there, 
And I'm like, you know, it would be pretty easy to spot the deaf person right now, right? Because <laughs> they'd be doing laps. Because <laughs> they'd be the one running around the platform. <laughs> and, oh, yeah. So that's the horrible thought, of course, you know me. And that, that's part of the course. That's the thought that I have as I'm standing there watching this thing because they're like, the, the person's up on the platform. And it's not moving like fast, but it's moving fast enough so that everybody yeah. on all sides can get a look at it. Why would you put a person up on the stage doing sign language when the platform is rotating? Is that like the dumbest thing you've ever heard? It is. It, it, it's, uh, I would have never... That's something that you you engineer it, but you're not really involved. <laughs> Looks good or, on paper. Or, yeah, you don't really yeah. care. You're doing it because you, someone told you you had to. You had yeah, to, we're checking all the boxes here. Sign language, yeah. check. But mm-hmm. then don't put the person doing the sign language up on the rotating platform. <laughs> if the person doing that cared at all about deaf people, they would yeah. have thought about uh Yeah, I kind of half expected there'd be a person like kind of like at the back of the group just kind of like, you know, like shuffling along, like peeking their head up and and like <laughs> kind of skittishly walking all the way around <laughs> the whole, the pla- as the platform's right. Like, yep, that's the deaf guy. Wait, what did she say? Wait, hold, excuse me. Pardon me. What did she I I can't hear. I can't I can't see uh, what? Kings of non sequitur. <laughs> Full kings of non sequitur. We just yeah. really went off the, the deep yeah. end. This all started with J- Joe Maurer? That's all your fault. You brought up Joe Maurer, yeah. Oh, we somehow were... we go from Joe Maurer. So let's try let, let, let's get the let's draw the lines here. Somehow we go from Joe Maurer oh. to the person doing sign language on the platform at the Chicago Auto Show. You got to go before that. We were talking about uh, being in the ballpark for the Yankees. Oh and, yeah, uh, yeah. Worst fans, yeah. worst fans in sports. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, we've covered a lot of. We can cover a lot of topics in in a half an hour. I have no idea how that started or how we got there, but that's why we're the kings yeah. of non sequitur. That's right. We keep putting off uh, doing AFC uh, real or fake too. And... <sighs> Is it, uh, yeah, we might as well um, before we don't get a ch- before we have a chance not to anymore. So is it AFC? We did NFC, right? We did. Okay, so did, did you have some? Did you have a group of teams that you wanted to to real or fake before we uh, sign off here tonight? Well, let's see. Just looking up and down the uh, the standings, it's a little. Uh, more defined as far as like if you look at uh, plus minus, there's not a whole like in the NFC. There's a whole bunch of teams that their plus minus is like within ten points. So there's really uh, a lot of evenness. There's not as much evenness. There's the dominant teams like the Chiefs and the Patriots and the Chargers uh, and the Steelers, uh, and then there's the teams like uh, Jacksonville. Believe it or not, is minus thirty six. I didn't think they would ever be that low. Um, and, and you know, with the Browns and stuff like that, so there's there's not too many teams that are sort of hovering around the middle. There's a few, so we'll we'll see what you think about a few of them. Uh, the five and three Cincinnati Bengals are plus six, or I'm sorry, they're minus sixteen on yeah. the year, and of course uh, they just lost AJ Green for at least a couple of weeks, so that probably shades what you would think anyway. But Cincinnati Bengals at five and three, real or fake? I would have probably had them fake even with AJ Green because there's just no sustainability with that team, and just the fact that Marvin Lewis still has a job. At some point, he is going to lose control of that team, and 
Andy Dalton's not the that that's a team that I think is in need of just a, a blow up. They, they not a not a not a Vontez perfect style blow up, but I mean like they just need to reorganize that whole thing. And I don't know why they just keep it. Stability isn't always good when stability becomes mediocrity. And that's all the Bengals will ever be is a sort of a mediocre team. So I wouldn't be stunned if they end up eight and eight and out of the playoffs and ho hum Marvin Lewis didn't do enough to get fired. And we do it all again next year, but I think they're fake. Uh, Yeah. I concur for all the same reasons, but I don't know where this, this roller coaster ends because We've been saying that about Marvin Lewis for years now. This is not just last year was the the last straw that we thought. We thought the last yeah. straw was a few years. The ago. playoff game, the playoff game against the the the, the against uh, the, the AJ Steelers. McCarron game against the Steelers. Yeah. That should have been it. That, that, that and it wasn't. And it's like how much more you know lack of discipline and like thuggery do you need to have and stupidest team in football that how much of that do you need to have out of that team before the coach finally takes the bullet he he and Hugh Jackson had pictures of somebody and were keeping their jobs somehow and (laughs) finally Hugh Jackson got blown out Jackson is going to be the poster child for the Rooney rule (laughs) because I'm sorry You'll never have another head coach that gets fired of people that can complain about the Rooney rule because they're just going to have a picture of Hugh Jackson up on the But no, see, that guy, that guy got to keep a job, okay? So you cannot complain to me about race. Hugh Jackson right there. And Marvin Lewis right next to him. Because <laughs> it's Rooney Ray Rhodes who gets fired after one year of 8-8. Eight and eight. Like, huh? What? what, what? Yeah, then you got Hugh Jackson who is the worst coach of all time. Yeah, the Rooney Rule is supposed to allow those guys to get in the door to get an interview. It's not supposed to protect them when they completely <laughs> suck. <laughs> uh, but And somehow Marvin Lewis just keeps surviving. I call him the vampire because he, he just won't die. Yeah. He's, he's the undead There are coach. better coaches that have been fired, and he's still around. And he's still around somehow. Uh, so, yeah, I definitely agree with you, fake there. The Baltimore Ravens have a much worse record and a much better plus-minus, yeah. so that makes them very yeah. hard to figure out. They're 4-5, and five, but their plus-minus is 53. So when they win, they win big, but they've yeah. they've lost more than they won so far this year. So Baltimore Ravens, real or fake? And the news today is that Joe Flacco's hurt, like he hurt his hip. Mm-hmm. Like, was he 80? <laughs> he slip in the driveway and break his hip and use and break his hip and use his life alert bracelet. Wallen and I can't get up. We're terrible. Yeah. Um, you know, Ruth Bader Ginsburg need more calcium. Oh. <laughs> it's got to protect those brittle uh, bones. So if that means that we get more Lamar Jackson, that could actually end up being a good thing, but this isn't a team that's built to just sort of coddle along a rookie quarterback. So Baltimore looked great early and the wheels are starting to come off of that thing. Um, So I'm going to have to say fake. I'm still holding on by a hair to still say that they're legit and that they're real. But as I pointed out on the last show, they need to figure out this offense and they need to figure it out now. Uh, this isn't working. This Lamar Jackson being mixed in as 
quarterback or receiver or tailback or whatever they want to do. Uh, there's it, There's been a lot of successful offenses over the last few years that have mixed in guys in different roles, including quarterback. This is not one of those offenses. I don't know right. if that's Lamar Jackson's fault. I don't know if that's Marty Morningweg's fault. I don't know whose fault that is, but it's not working. Uh, like I said, anytime you have a receiver standing there with his hand up and the quarterback never even looked his way and he's wide open, uh, and it's happened to be Lamar Jackson. That's that's a problem. The the offense is busted when you have a, a quarterback a quarterback that's not even looking that guy's way. And, and there's there was speculation through some media people that that was like a direct like dig at Lamar Jackson that he was uh, never intending to throw him the ball. I don't know if Flacco's that petty. I don't think he is, but uh, either way, uh, it's not working. So they got to do something about that. But I, I think I trust that they will get it together and figure it out. And I think I agree with you that if it turns out that Flacco has to sit, now we get Lamar Jackson full-time quarterback. Does, he's not slashing in. He's not learning eight different positions. Quarterback is hard enough to learn, uh, never mind also trying to learn to be a slot receiver and everything else that they were trying to do with him. So it might be a good thing that they just have to put him at quarterback and not worry about But even if Flacco does play next week uh, – I think they need to – I think they know. I think they can see on the tape that this mixing in Lamar Jackson here and there is not working. I don't think they would eliminate it, but they would throttle it down. And I think it would be a more uh, more balanced second half, a, a calmer second half sure. of football where it's not so wildly back and forth and, and crazy. So I, I think I still consider them real. So, you know, now with all the offensive expl- – I'm going to ask you a really controversial question here. So now with all the – offensive explosion and all of these offensive minds, you know, who are able to scheme things and we've got like the Taysom Hill and, you know, and all this stuff that we're, you know, in these, the, the Philly Philly and all that stuff. Was Tim Tebow just a few years too early? What did I say that I wanted to see Tim Tebow do all those years that he was yeah. flopping and failing as a quarterback? What yeah. did I always say? I always said that I would love to see him line up as a tailback and just let him yeah. go and see what he could do. Well, a tailback or fullback or a tight end, but he was, he could have been that kind of gadgety all over the field kind of guy, kind of a slash. And, and, and I don't think he ever got with the right, with the right scheme or system, you know, but if there was a guy who came out like him now, he'd have use. I don't think he was bright enough to play all those different positions. I think he be, he could be Christian McCaffrey. Just put him in the, at the in the backfield and give him the ball and let him run. Just go. Okay, you say that because they're both white. Of course. Oh, okay. <laughs> just saying. No, I'm saying because he, he's a big ass dude that just wouldn't go down and and uh, just take the quarterback decision making yeah. part of it out of his hands. And, and just well, beat, let him. But wait, 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 he beat the Steelers in the playoffs. Remember, I had that one. Yeah, you did. He, he threw for three sixteen. That was a sign of some sort, right? <laughs> That's one of my best calls ever, or one of your worst defeats ever. I don't know which way that goes. It's one How of my most jaw dropping. Yeah, one of my most jaw dropping losses ever. Because I, I still remember, I came from work. I was working Sundays, and they were. I was shocked that they were in overtime to begin with, and then that play First happened throw. right when I'm. Yeah, right when I'm sitting down, and I'm like, oh my fucking god, I don't believe Is that this Demarius is Marius Thomas. Believe it was. Believe wow, it was. The, the, the former like Bronco. Ages ago. I mean, it, it does. But I, I'm just thinking that somebody of 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 you know Tebow clearly was a like a almost like transcendent 
college talent, but you knew he did not have like arm talent to play quarterback full time. But he could have been a Taysom Hill or one of those types of guys, right? I I don't think he was bright enough to pull off all of that, but I understand what you're getting at. There is a yeah. laundry list like, of Nebraska quarterbacks that also, if you brought them into Eric the Crouch, yeah, Tommy Frazier, uh, <laughs> just bring them into this era. Yeah, they all also sure. could have had a shot at, at being those right. flash type guys. Yeah, no, and I don't know if it was something with with Tebow. You don't think he was bright enough to learn the playbook? I'm just saying that if you had paired him up with a McVay or Sean Payton or Shanahan, you know, somebody who's got a creative offensive mind would have actually been able to get more out of him than what we got, which was he was too stubborn to learn a different position and thought he was destined to be, you know, like he was like God's chosen one to be an NFL quarterback and it didn't work out so well. I would have loved to see him as a tailback. Uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe he would have worked at some of those other positions. I, I don't. I don't think he would have, but maybe. Definitely had the physical talent. Uh, it, it's a, it's almost amazing that he's survived in the minor leagues of baseball as long as he had. Because yeah. I mean, he's thirty years old and hadn't played baseball sure. in I don't know how long. Um, yeah. he, I'm not saying he's going to deserve the major league call up that he's going to get next year, which is going to be a complete PR stunt. So just be ready. I'm, I'm warning you now to get the brown paper bag ready. Oh, so I'd be ordering my, my Tebow jersey? Right along with the Des Bryant one, yeah. Right, right. That, was, that's, that was the joke. See, all right, you got that one. Mm-hmm. I, I'm tired, but I'm not quite that tired. My, my um, Mets 15 jersey? That's right. I'll just rip the Beltran off of one of them and put the Tebow <laughs> on there. Uh, the disrespected all year so far since their three and zero start, Miami Dolphins. They're still five yeah. and four, but their plus minus is minus thirty eight. So I, I guess yeah. they're trending in the wrong direction. Um, and any team with Brock Osweiler, you you probably are going to lean uh, the wrong way on them. But I'll ask a question anyway because they have a winning record. Miami Dolphins, real or fake? If they if they could get their quarterback back, who I still don't think is their quarterback of the future, I think Tannehill's got to be done with. You, how many more chances does Tannehill get? He's like Dalton. Just stop giving these guys chances already. Um, can't stay healthy. Yeah, he can't stay. You know, in, in Miami, somehow, some way, is five and four. They they won that Bear game. They had no business winning um, oh. with Osweiler. But you know, but we just know they're going to always run up against the Patriots. And they're going to get sunned, and then it's all going to be over. But as long as they get to keep playing the Jets and the Bills and some also <laughs> Rams, I think that's good enough to keep them in in playoff contention. So they could very well easily earn their way into the a sixth seed. But I still think they're fake. Yeah, I I definitely uh, think they're fake. Even so, the perfect scenario for them is that that uh, Ryan Tannehill is able to come back sometime this season. Uh, even if he is on the field full time, I don't like the weapons that he has around him. I don't think Devontae Parker's head is in the game. I don't know if he's all that. I don't think he's yeah. as talented as he thinks he is. Um, and and I don't. And Kenny Stills is always hit or miss. Uh, he's been showing flashes for years, but hasn't really put it together. 
Um, Kenyon Drake in the backfield is, is uh, has shown flashes, but I don't know if I trust him. And Frank Gore is, of course, Methuselah. Uh, I don't. It's not just Tannehill. It's, I don't know if I trust the front office to, to put the talent around them because they haven't been able to to do it thus far. Uh, all that money that they gave in Dominican Sue. Uh, I remember being excited about the signing, like, oh, this is a dominant defender, and they really are, are going to go places putting this guy in the middle of their defense, and they really never put the people around him uh, to make a difference, and of course, he winds up leaving uh, eventually, but uh, yeah, I, I, I think they're fake not just because of the injury to Tannehill, but because uh, even when they get him back, I don't know, I don't I don't like the guys that they're putting around him to, to make a, a push forward with that team. I, I think they can do better uh, with the talent evaluation there. Yeah, I'd like to see a team step up in that division who, you know, is clearly going to realize that, like, the Patriots thing is going to be ending soon. You'd think you'd see one of these teams building towards taking over for the Patriots because, you know, Tom Brady's not really going to play until he's 50. And I don't – what team is going through a purposeful rebuild in that division? Who's on to anything in that division? Nobody. And nobody has been on to anything in that division for years. The Jets tried a few years ago to go defense with Todd Bowles. It's not going to work out. He's going to wind up getting fired. The Bills are trying to rebuild right now, but that just started. um, So that's got a long ways to go. Uh, And Miami is just treading water. So I I, whoever takes over is going to be a while because uh, everyone is, it seems to be a long ways away from the Patriots. Oh yeah, clearly. I mean, I, I hate to say it, but if I had to take odds on who was going to be like the ascendant team out of those other three in that division, I'd take the bills in the long run. That is stunning. The team that tanked so hard that yeah. they made the playoffs anyway last year because they're. I'm saying they're, they're five years from now, ranking. I think they look totally different. But there, there's more pieces yeah. in place on that team than there are on the Jets or the Dolphins. And Dolphins are old. The Dolphins are going to get are. old and bad really quick. I mean, the Dolphins are probably a season or two away from like a two-win season. Oof. I'm just looking into my crystal ball here, um, and the Jets. I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just have nothing. I mean, the Jets are that, that cupboard is bare. They're like the Cardinals. It's just oh. it's just Yeah. You don't get points for trying. The Jets try. They're just bad. And like the Cardinals are bad. Just a bad football team. Yeah, those organizations before they find the genius coach to take them to the promised land, they need to find the genius front office people. Yeah. And, and yeah, they need to draft some dudes and get some play. You know, like okay, Robbie Anderson's a nice receiver. Yeah, nice number and, three, and number four receiver. Yeah, not, not number one. No, but he's a nice receiver. He's a piece that you can keep. There's not a whole lot else on the Jets. No, it's it's pretty bare, as you said. Uh, but yeah, the those, Bills, they, the Bills have defensive pieces. The, the 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 there's some talent there, and you can see even with Josh Allen, who's like mediocre, mediocre. Uh, <laughs> how much better that offense looks when he's helming it. He's so raw. He, he, the, he's the very raw, but he's not Peterman. 
nobody is Peter. There's there's talent. <laughs> there's actually like there's something there. I mean, you could actually look at Josh Allen and go, he's not. It's not there yet, but at least there's a there there. <laughs> right. He's not a. He's not a Kaepernick collusion uh, case study. He deserves to be in the NFL in some capacity. <laughs> Peter Ben does not. Right. Yeah. Josh Allen has actually done more in his limited amount of playing time than Nathan Peterman will probably for his whole career. That's really sad. I mean, Nathan Peterman has gotten more chances. I I, I mean, you remember Scott, was it Tool? Jeff Tool? Remember him? (laughs) Remember Jeff Tool? We we don't have time to go down a list of bad backup quarterbacks throughout the years. The the first year of our podcast, Jeff Tool made a start, and it was very Peterman-like. And I remember it was like (laughs) – I remember saying in the recap of that game that he was so bad that he couldn't have hit Tina if he was Ike. <laughs> I remember that. that I, I <laughs> and, and Peterman's worse. I remember that. I believe that was the very first time I got to use it. Because you were like upset because you were like I should you told me I should warn you when I'm going to do that because you would you were so caught off guard by it at all yeah Yeah. Yeah. you were so totally caught off yeah you're so caught off guard by it that you it like fumbled for the button (laughs) it was so perfect but if I if if I had the timing if I knew you were going to bring that line out. That was back in season one of the podcast, but that's how bad that stood out to me. That I still remember that line and who the quarterback was that deserved it, and Peterman's <laughs> worse than him. I mean, Peterman that's is bad. Hall of Infamy bad right now. <laughs> He's like Johnny Football bad. That's bad. <laughs> oh, he's worse. <laughs> he, he might be the worst quarterback. I mean, I read the stats on the last show. Yeah, yeah, don't, please, don't do that again. I mean, those are like transcendent bad quarter, <laughs> quarterback stats. I mean, just, and not just bad quarterback, bad quarterback, somebody who keeps getting chances. Well, from one coach, all it takes is one. I don't know how many chances he'd give with another team, but he keeps getting it with this yeah. one guy. But no, he is the one man, he is the one man case for Colin Kaepernick right there. Yes, we still got teams I want to talk about for real or fake. I, pretty much the whole AFC South is up for discussion to me, um, and, and also the, the the Clippers. I want to know uh, what you think about the the, the Clippers. But uh, we're we're running out of time in the after show, so we're gonna have to. We did it again. We non we non sequitured ourselves again. We got three minutes. Okay, Chargers are real. <laughs> okay, well, there Chargers you are real. Titans and Jaguars, I think, are real. Colts, I think, are fake. How's that? And I think the Texans are real. I know you think the Texans are real. We both picked them for the playoffs. And I think the Texans, the Titans, and the Jags are real because I have all three of them in the playoffs before the season started. (laughs) So i got to be consistent. You don't have to be. You can can go in a different direction. I think the the, the Titans are that, that, you know, that win an ugly, play an ugly team – and, and you know it's funny because the Titans and the Jags have both scored the same amount of points. That's just unthinkable when you yeah, think of bad offense. Those two teams sort of epitomize it. So I think it's going to be whichever one of those teams can kind of figure their offense out. 
Um, but I also think that the Jags' defense has not played up to their potential, and I think they will. Well, you just pointed out why the I got the Titans still as fake, and that's a big reason why is that offense is, is you should not be that stagnant with the number two overall pick at quarterback at this stage. He's uh, Mariota's been around long enough to. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in business into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu.